All right, Dave, Brandon, I got a question for you guys, courtesy of friend of the podcast, Steve Scott. And um, the question is, let me pull it up so I make sure I get it worded correctly here. <clears throat> From Steve. We have which major league baseball players, active, let's go with active guys, would you want to have your back in a bench-clearing brawl? Hmm. That's a good question. It's a great question, Steve. Thank you very much. Uh, give me Rowdy Tellez. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good me one. and him, we're going to tag team. Back to back, we're just going to beat up the entire other team. Uh, it's unf- I think Yasiel Puig retired, so I can't take him. Um, is Amir Garrett still in the majors? Yeah, yeah he's in the Royals. I was okay. thinking of him. Yeah, I, I, I might have to take him. I mean, he took That's on the Pirates. He took on the whole team. He took on the Pirates yeah. by himself. That's impressive. Um, he's got to be up there. Let's 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 narrow it down to if you had to pick somebody on the Red Sox, who would you take? Huh. That's a, that's a more difficult question. You know what? I know someone who can take a ninety-five mile power pitch to the face and come back in two weeks is Justin Turner. So that is true. Justin uh, Turner would be a good one. Yeah, I feel like I feel like you know he's not the 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 best fighter, but he's gonna be you know, a guy who hangs in there. He like I said, he can take a few shots to the face. He's not gonna go down. That's gonna really knock the confidence of the mm-hmm. other guy. Uh, you know, give me Justin Turner. Justin Turner is definitely that guy that, like, if you're out with your like your friends at the bar and someone starts to mouth off of you, he's the one who gets in between you. He's like, hey, we're going to stop that right here. We're not doing that today. Just go back to your bar, go back to your friends. We're not having a fight right now. He breaks it up. But if you're on the field and things go down, I think Justin Turner's a good pick. I would – jeez. I thought I had an answer, but I guess I don't. Um – Jeez, uh, maybe Kenley Jansen. I feel like Kenley Jansen could hold himself in a fight. He's also huge. He's huge, but also I'd have to wait for him to get out from the bullpen, which could be prohibitive. Um, yeah, I feel like Turner's a good pick, Brandon. That's a good. I mean, Cassis is pretty big too, but he seems like kind of like a gentle giant. I'm not sure if he'd be good in a fight. Um, I know you'd probably be hitting him too. <laughs> that's very. That's very fun. No, you know what? I'll. I'll uh, Jake would take his jersey off and then immediately change the lines and just start wailing. Jake, on Jake would be like, "Enemy of my enemy, my friend." Hey, that's very. That's very funny. Uh, you know, I know Dave probably hasn't seen. Maybe Dave has seen this movie. Brand, you remember the movie Clock Stoppers? Clock Stoppers. Uh, vaguely. Was it like? It wasn't like a Disney movie, but it was like yeah, older, yep. older. It was like a Disney adjacent movie. Yeah, yeah. and I, it was I, like I these kids who had like like watches that could stop time. Obviously, I mean it's a pretty bad title, honestly, but that was what it was. I would just pull that, and I would get Bobby Dahlbeck in from Worcester, and we would go to war together. Yeah, I mean he's still there for another day or two. That's so. true. He hasn't officially gone back down yet, so he's still on. I'm sure he would get a pretty hefty suspension if he's not on the active roster, and he goes out of the field for a fight. <laughs> <laughs> but oh you know Veritech actually I might take Veritech he's a coach but I think he still gets some licks in he's not I'm sure he's still got some some moves you know he's a he's a big man too he could he get some licks in I think so I, th- I have to go tech or I'll, I'll bring uh, Tom Warner in from the stands and have him fight <laughs> I think Tom Warner could deliver a couple of punches I, I, I don't know about that no way that guy can fight hey 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 we are proudly presented by the Red Sox. <laughs> We're an official Red Sox podcast. That is neither true nor are we proud. That's, uh, well, we we can neither confirm nor deny. Um, but, yeah, it's about the middle, middle of the way through the season, so we'll do a little, a little mid-season review here, do a little, a little talking 
about how the uh, Red Sox are doing, how the majors are looking. Um, we might as well start with the Red Sox and get out of the way. Uh, the Red Sox lost tonight. I know we don't want to date ourselves here, but it was uh, June 27th. And the Red Sox lost 10-1. to Pretty uneventful loss to the Marlins. That drops them back to 500. I'm pretty sure it's like the 50th time they've been 500 this year. I know that's not mathematically correct, but it feels that way. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to really say. I mean, we talked about it off-air a little bit, and they're just, they're not good. They're not awful. I mean, they're not irredeemable. They're not the Royals. They're not the Athletics, but they're not good. And I think a lot of it comes down to what does the future look like? Who do you go after? What's the next step for some of the guys in the system? Are they all going to convey? Probably not. I mean, Meyer's probably going to be a stud, sure. But beyond him, you know, some of them might convey. Maybe York is a, a decent player. I know this, you know, Shane Drohan has, has, has um, had some hype this year. But I don't know. I mean, I Red Sox fans are not going to want to wait around another couple of years to start winning again. And I'm, I'm just not sure how much longer we're going to have to invest in this until we're supposed to see some real results. Because I was saying to Dave before you joined, Brandon, but you're looking at three... If things trend the way they're trending, which, you know, it's July, I guess things could change. They could go on a run, like the Yankees did a few years ago, whatever. But if things hold the way they are, you're looking at three last-place finishes, three years missing the playoffs out of four, and you had one ALCS run mixed in there. Even if you don't count the COVID year, that's still more last-place finishes than you probably want to have. So, I I fear saying this, Dave, but how do you assess the Red Sox performance so far? If I had to use one word for it, I would probably say expected, because I think I predicted them to go 80 and 82 this year. So, they're right on track for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's pretty much what we all thought they'd be. I mean, I think me and you were kind of in the same boat. I think we both said around 500, but probably a little under. I think Brandon said 112 wins this year. I thought Brandon said something about challenging the wins record. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you guys remembered. I think I think Brandon said Kike Hernandez was like Ozzy Smith at shortstop. Yep, I did say that as well. And I heard I heard him give some uh, Nick Pavetta Cy Young buzz too. Ooh. I, I actually got that one tatted on my arm. So actually, I, I think. I think Nick Nick Pavetta might win Rolaids relief pitch. Wait, hold on, my producers in my ear. They stopped giving that award uh, twelve years ago. Sorry. Um, so I can't get that award. So. <laughs> what, what Brandon? I individually still give that award. The so. Brandon Maxwell Rolaids relief pitcher of the yeah. year. Wow. Exactly. I didn't know that. You must be paying a pretty penny for those naming rights. Nick Pavetta has won every year he's pitched in MLB, even the years. You know, I'm, I'm looking at his baseball reference page. I, I don't I don't see it listed here. It's just a, a, a misprint. They're, it's a misprint. Uh, I was, oh. There was some issues on the site. Got it. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Now, I'll you know, I, I have a couple of friends over at Sports Reference. I'll have to reach out to them and make sure that's that's rectified because if we can have Mitchell Trubisky as the MVP, uh, we better have those numbers up there. Could you do that for us? Yeah, I'll get right on that for you, pal. You got Thanks. it. Thanks. I'm, I'm curious now. Oh, okay, he made way more errors than I thought. Sure. <laughs> I was going to say. I feel like Kike Hernandez. How many how many errors does Kike have this year? Was it fourteen or fifteen? I think fourteen. That's uh, okay. So I have to go look, but he's he's well on his way to breaking the most Ozzy Smith had in the season. <laughs> I think all but one of uh, Kike's errors too have been throwing errors. 
which is ridiculous, honestly. Um, but yeah, I didn't want to get off track with that. But I, you know, it, it's just been a. I, it's weird because you don't want to say disappointment if you expected them to be like this, but, and you know, really they haven't looked extremely good or extremely bad at any point this year. They've won four or five in a row, or they've won seven of nine, and then they've lost six of eight. And that's just kind of how they go. They're not really good. And I think since Heimblum took over, they're, I think, two or three games above 500 total, which is just not, that's not going to cut it long term. If there's something you're building to, then it's, it's I guess, acceptable. But you're, you're running the Red Sox. You're going to have to have results sooner than later. And yes, I know they've had some injuries. I know Trevor Story has missed time, but that's been the case with a lot of a a lot of teams. I mean, Red Sox fans are having a lot of fun riding the Yankees about Aaron Judge missing time and Carlos Rodon being out. Injuries are a part of the game. Every team is dealing with them. You just got to overcome them, and that's where depth comes in. And that's where I've really had an issue with with Bloom is I don't feel like the depth is very strong here, and they they weren't prepared for a couple of injuries to set them back. I mean, Adam Duvall went down. And everybody was like, "Oh my God, how is this team going to survive?" And they did. They did survive to their credit for a while. I mean, they were fine without him. He came back. He's I, I he's been all right since he got back. But you know, Verdugo's come back down to earth. Yoshida's been probably their best player all year long, honestly, except for like the first couple weeks of the year. It, it's it's just been uneventful it's just not they haven't really been fun to watch I, I just I don't know I mean I I don't know I just haven't found them very fun to watch with that which I think is the worst thing you can have for a baseball team they're just not enjoyable I mean if they were bad at least the 2012 Red Sox had some really bad vibes about them that made them like at least a little convincing to watch because they were just not good and then of course when the teams are really good that's a different story but when you're just in the middle and you know you're going to be in the middle, and you're probably never going to leave the middle, that's just not as strong of a sell to me. So I don't know about how you guys feel about it. But, Brandon, how, how do you assess the first half of this middling season? It's been okay. But uh, I don't know. I just feel like the vibes around this team have been bad for a while now. Like, um, I definitely don't think this season, is, this season is as bad as some of the others that have been even in recent history. Like, We've seen some really bad Red Sox teams and some really like dreadful watching, dreadful teams to watch. We saw Bobby Valentine manage a fucking Red Sox team for a whole year and turn that into a complete charade the entirety of the time. Um, we saw the collapse of Terry Francona's last year with the Red Sox, obviously when they had the meltdown at the end of the season, but that year was filled with, you know, chicken and beer and most of the players not going to Pesky's funeral and this and that and this and that. So I think there's definitely some recency bias in terms of people saying, like, this is one of the worst seasons in, you know, recent Red Sox history and some of these other things about that. Because, again, it's just an okay year, very average team, not terrible, definitely not good. Um, and they're doing just enough to tread water, which is definitely very annoying to see. Um, one thing that I will say is I hope that they use this as an opportunity to start being a selling team earlier this year versus – uh, last year when they decided to kind of straddle the fence. Um, I think this is a really good year, too. And, and one thing that I think the Red Sox deserve credit for so far this year has nothing to do with the major league roster, but they've been uh, when their minor league players have been doing well, they're not wasting any time. They're moving those guys up very quickly. You know, 
Rafaela just got moved up. York got moved up recently. Meyer got moved up recently. A bunch of the pitchers who I don't even know about at this time got moved up recently. Mata's hurt right now, but they moved him up too. Lots of guys have been moving up recently. And honestly, it sucks to say, but that's kind of what you have to be looking forward to for, for this season. It's just the development of these guys, which is also why I would like to see the Red Sox become sellers a bit earlier. Um, because one, more opportunity to get these guys some playing time in a year where you don't really have too many expectations and it would give some more out to the fans to have a you know fresh group of guys come in and be uh you know maybe that next generation of hopefuls i think brian bayo is doing a really good job of right of that right now granted he had a terrible game today but you know whitlock and Hauk are seeming like at least decent pieces of this team so you know there are things that you can build off of and use as a positive going forward but it doesn't necessarily feel that way right now absolutely not um another thing is you know obviously the injuries and the lack of depth um as far as the middle infield goes it's it's tough because i do think that they signed some guys and everyone just managed to get hurt like yu chang for example he was supposed to be back like a month and a half ago and granted you don't want to be relying on yu chang for anything but uh at least they you know had a couple pieces there i think really the biggest um error going into this season and i think it's been the case for like two or three years now is the starting pitching um they just they actually built up the bullpen this year i know there's been some times where they've been up and down but i think you know the bullpen's done pretty well overall and the starters actually had a pretty good streak of uh run for about two three weeks there but you knew it was going to run out at some point because you got a bunch of number fives pitching you know every day of the week and at a certain point something's going to give and you're going to have to have a guy who's pitching in a higher leverage situation the way he's meant for and it's all going to come crashing down uh, when things don't go perfectly anymore. So um, another thing that I'll say, too, I feel like Cora has been getting a lot of heat this year. I get it to a certain degree, but also, like, what did you ever expect from this team? Um, the things that I think you can knock him for is that the defense has sucked for, like, three of the four years he's managed the Red Sox, and it's something that he always harps on and talks about, and yet nothing changes. I think that's definitely something that he needs to improve on 100% because we've literally lost games this year because the defense has been just so booty, um, just all over the place, outfield, infield, whatever it may be. Um, pitchers not getting to the right place, pitchers making a crazy throw. We've seen it all this year, uh, last year too. Um, so the defense is one thing. And then also, I mean, I think they're okay at base running this year, but there's been plenty of times to where they run themselves out on the bases and that's been something I haven't seen any improvement of from the Red Sox either. So <clears throat> I think if there's two things to knock Cora on, defense sucks, base running is kind of average uh, to below average. Definitely needs to improve those, but it definitely doesn't re- warrant a firing, especially since he's got such trust in the organization and the players. Um, that's a guy that really means a lot to the organization and you don't just um, move on from that in the situation like this, at least in my opinion. I think, you know, you need to have prolonged, terrible play and like issues in the locker room and stuff like that. And I think it kind of needs to fall apart like it did with Francona at the end of the, with the Red Sox or to get to that point. Uh, Bloom, I I mean, it's really tough to get a read overall because, again, as far as the big decisions go, I think so much of that is the ownership group not allowing him to do much. But then again, uh, a lot of these moves are kind of uh, very underwhelming. Um, don't really move the needle at all. If you get a guy, he has like slight upside and uh, a big risk in terms of injury or just not panning out. Um, and it seems like that's been the way for, for plenty of guys. He's got some guys who work out and they're little successes, but 
you can't be relying on that over and over and over again. And it seems like that's something that we've been doing lately. And that definitely needs to change too. Um, I honestly don't think he or Cora are on the hot seat though. Um, whether they should be, that's a, another debate. Maybe that's something we could have, but I don't know what you guys think. I don't think either of them are on the hot seat at the moment. Well, no, I don't think they're on the hot seat right now. Maybe Cora, but I think Bloom is kind of doing what ownership wants him to do. So I don't think he's going to be on the hot seat. Um, at least not this season, but I mean, I think, I think next year for sure, if they don't improve by next year, if they're still middling or they're treading water, they're under 500 and they're doing the same thing again next year, then I think you could see them consider a change. I think he's given himself four full years. Well, I guess if you count the COVID years, a full year, but I think he's given himself four seasons to kind of get this together. And then next year, if things don't turn around, if he makes a couple of off-season moves and players don't do anything, you know, the, the prospects don't convey or nobody's, you know, pr- improving in enough time and you're getting promoted and they're not, you know, producing at the major league level, <clears throat> then they think you could see a change. Yeah. But, you know, right now I'm not, I'm not necessarily sure if he is on the hot seat. I just, you know, I think we, if we go back to the selling at the deadline, the Celtics, the Celtics, <laughs> the Red Sox do consider selling at the deadline. What do they have to sell right now? I mean, I've, the, the names I've seen floated out there, are Paxton, Jansen, Duvall, those are some of the names I've seen. I don't know how much those guys are going to get you because Duvall's a rental who missed most of the year or parts of the year. Jansen's probably the best value you could get. Paxton, I don't – I mean, he's been okay so far. I'm not sure what team is really going to trade for him. Maybe a team on a, on a run who needs like a four or a five, but I'm not entirely convinced they can get too much for him. It's probably a package deal. But what do you guys think they could sell if they do decide to sell? I think it's just Paxton and Duvall. I wouldn't trade Jansen either just because they got him on a two-year deal, so it's not like you have to trade him. And if you're good next year, you have a closer, and if you're bad next year, then you use him as a trade piece. Um, So I wouldn't put Jansen in that category just yet, but I think it's basically just Paxton and Duvall. Um, I don't think you can get a ton for them either. I think you can get a little something um, because if you run into a desperate team that's trying to make a run, go into the playoffs, and they're saying, you know, hey, we just need one back end with a rotation guy or one guy who can be, you know, long relief and a couple of random games in the playoffs early on. Um, and as far as Duvall goes, you know, he hasn't done much since he came back from his injury, but he has um, a really powerful bat and he's also won a World Series ring within the past. Um, he's played pretty solid defense throughout his entire career. So I think that they can maybe get something for him from a team who's looking to maybe have a platoon or just a fourth outfielder. Because um, obviously I think he's a starting level outfielder, but you're not going to be getting that compensation for him because, like you said, Jake, it's uh, a rental. So I think um, they're the two trade pieces. I don't think you have much else outside of that. Um, but at the very least, I think they should you know, move those guys just so they can get that little relief back, whatever it may be. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't really see anything valuable here. Like, you look at Paxton. He gets hurt all the time. People are going to be nervous about that. He's already left one start with a knee issue. He had the arm issues in the past with Tommy Johnny. Hip injury last year was recovering. I just don't know how much value he's going to bring, even though he's been pretty good this year. Duvall has been a fourth outfielder, kind of, spot start a platoon guy his whole career 
not sure that gets you much back. Uh, you're not going to trade Yoshida. You're not going to trade Casas. You're not going to trade any of the young guys. You're not going to trade Devers. I mean, does Kike do anything for you on an expiring deal? Probably not. Uh, you know, Duran probably not going anywhere. Maybe Verdugo. Like, if they feel like they're they're not going to meet the that, number that he wants. That would be a bold move. That would be bold. Um, Especially for, like, for Haim, if that's, like, the centerpiece of the deal for Mookie and he's trading him already. That would be something. It just, it just feels like there's not really much to go with. Like, you could – maybe you, you – you know, everyone always looks at, for bullpen at the deadline. So maybe there's a team that says, you know what, Pavetta – for like a B minus prospect, we can have a guy that gives us some innings. His fastball plays up in the bullpen. Let's go get him. And then if we if you know he doesn't do anything, we just leave him off the postseason roster. We didn't give up that much. I don't know. I, I don't know like what their thoughts are, but it just seems to me that they're in the worst spot of all. Because they don't have anything really to give and they're not very good. So if you can't do a reset like you did in twenty twelve or what the Yankees did when they traded Chapman and reset their farm system. It's just, you're stuck in no man's land, and it's just literally the worst spot to be in. Yeah, that and, you know, you're pretty much, you're, you're not selling, to get, like you said, to get prospects back at this point. You're selling to get into the tax. That's what they would be doing, because they failed to do it last year when they really should have. They had, they had no hope of making the postseason last year, and they didn't offload Evaldi or JD, and it would have been painful, but it probably would have been necessary at that rate. Um, just to get those contracts off the books if you're going to be in bad shape financially and you're not going to compete anyway. And I think that's even some hard, hardcore Bloom supporters I've, I've seen kind of call them out for not getting out of the tax last year at the deadline. Um, but I think I think you're right. I mean, I just they don't have a lot that they can sell unless they're getting really feisty and they want to trade Verdugo, which I let me just be clear, I don't agree with trading him. I think he's actually... A, if they can get him at the right price, an important piece of this team going forward. But, I mean, if you're the Red Sox, if you're looking to get value back you, and you, you don't want to trade your, your guys, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, you certainly shouldn't be buying because I'm not sure what it's going to do for you right now. Um, I, I don't think your, uh, your, your Bobby Dahlbeck for Luis Robert trade straight up is going to happen. Um, be great and- if- <laughs> Even I and would support I, that. <laughs> I, th- I think we need to go back, too, to the, the Cora and Bloom discussion because I like Cora a lot, but he's, there's, he's, there's not a lot of things a manager can impact baseball games with because it's really like, like most sports, like basketball, hockey. You can only do so much. It's up to the players to, to do what you need them to do. But, like, how many years are we going to put up with these teams not running the bases correctly and playing poor defense? You know what? I'll also be fair. I, w- I rode John ha- John Farrell pretty hard when I was like, he's coasting off that 2013 World Series. We're at the point where Cora might be coasting off that World Series. <laughs> I just feel like, like that's something that I think is fair to criticize Cora about. And one thing that you brought up, Jake, too, talking about Bloom last year with the luxury tax. Like, my whole thing is, and I'm not talking about you guys, but people who hate the two of them like these are the things that they should be bringing up when they talk about it but instead they'll talk about like the most like asinine things like i've seen people flipping out about the um the um what's his name uh mondesi the out of blurts from mondesi trade it's like bro they traded josh taylor for him who isn't even pitching for the royals so i mean it's a wash they didn't get anything for him back he it sucks 
But like those are examples where I'm like, people ride so hard on that when perfect example, the fact they didn't get under the luxury tax last year is egregious. And the worst part about it is they cut Jackie Bradley Jr. like two days after. Yeah. And that was an extra eight million on t- on the cap. Yeah. As they traded him or done something else, that would have gotten them under the luxury tax. But I said they cut him like three days after. Stuff like that is like where you're like, what are you doing? Like, how could you possibly not see this coming? And now you have all these issues running up. And I don't care about their money. Like that, that's not what I care about. It's just that the cap ha- that has implications, and I know they won't spend in these ways. So that's why it makes me care. But I don't, I don't care about you know their money personally. But those are the stuff. Those are the things that drive me crazy about this team. Base running, just like j- j- lollygagging and jogging, and the defense just being so bad. Um, just like the fundamental type stuff that you want these teams to take care of. And, you know, as far as Cora goes, I get people, you know, getting on him a little bit because the team has been very, very mid lately, especially the past couple of years. Um, but I think if you put a good team around him, he can win. And obviously, like Dave said, a manager only has so much impact. So I think a lot of his impact is having a clubhouse that's comfortable with him and players that like playing for him. And if you put a good team around him, I think he's capable of winning again. Um, it's just a matter of whether they can do that. So that's why Cora, especially, I think still has something, something in them. But like you were saying, Dave, these fundamental things, like at this point, it's, it's unacceptable. And Cora talks about it, you know, every press conference and nothing changes. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's getting to this point where it's very ridiculous, the base running and the defense. Before you jump in, Dave, just a quick note, the Mondesi thing, Brandon, I, I do want to just, uh, I'll play devil's advocate and be, now, I, I think the issue is I have no issue with the trade itself. I mean, I'm cool with that. I, I mean, neither guy has really impacted either team this year, if at all. So it's a wash in that respect. My issue is when he's expected to play a significant role on the team, enough to at least consider you know, putting him in mock lineups or say, oh, he could be an important piece at second base. But he's probably not going to play this year. I mean, they said, they said like they read. I don't think he was ever expected to play a significant role. I thought he was supposed to be, like, a significant role at second base. I thought that was supposed to be what they got him for. I mean, obviously, I think they would want him to start at some point, but, I mean, everything I even saw said he wouldn't even play for half the season at least. Um, well, it doesn't even sound like he's going to play at all, though. That's the issue. Yeah, Especially if they're not contending. Why would they even bother? He's definitely not playing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think, I think there's, there's things that people just go in on that are so, like, nitpicky when there's obvious mistakes and obvious things that they – screw up on that are actually harming the, the state of the Red Sox. That's just my view on it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Dave. I don't think, oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, dude. No, I, I just think... I think too often people in Boston, and I, inc- I include myself in this, we just assume that John Henry doesn't give the GM... or Tom Ward doesn't give the GM full sway. Like, and that may, may or may not be the case. I have no idea. I have no source on this. But, like, at a certain point, it's the GM's job to put together a winning roster. And regardless of how much money they give you or don't give you, that's your job. And we're continuously put in a situation where we're not even sure who's playing half our positions anymore. We don't know who's playing center field. We don't know who's playing shortstop. We don't know who's playing second base. We're not sure who's going to be our starting catcher. We don't really know who our top three pitchers are going to be. We don't really know who's our bullpen other than the closer. We don't really know what the order is going to be. And this is like con- a common denominator 
And it's something that really shouldn't be the case when you're paying over 180 million for a roster. You should really have some more stability. And the core thing, I love the guy. I think he's awesome. I think he's honest and the players relate to him. He's a former player. He's playing this market. He's won in this market as a manager. And I just think overall at a certain point, like Maxwell said, fundamentals are fundamentals. It's the equivalent of a basketball team refusing to give effort on defense consistently and not reading the scouting report of like, oh, don't go under, don't go under a pick on Stephen Curry. Or, hey, let's not front this big man because they're just going to be a catch over the top and they're going to dunk it. And they keep doing the same thing over and over again. Eventually, there has to be some sort of repercussion as to what's happening. And you're starting to see... Like we saw earlier in the year, Verdugo didn't run hard on going to second. Like, that's not stuff that usually happens if players love their manager. And, again, I have no idea if that's the case. Maybe Cora is beloved in that locker room. Maybe he's not. I okay, no Tom idea. Jackson. But, but, like, no, but realistically, like, this is the kind of stuff that happens when players not don't necessarily hate the person, but they're just, like, they don't fully just care anymore. They just don't care. Hear me out. And I think they should... maybe they're too chill around him, and they feel like they got too too. Yeah, either that, that too. That could be the case too. Like I if think you feel like we need to bring back Ron like Renicky. A... Bring Ron Renicky back. <laughs> but I, I think I think that's what it is with, with. I think they're so they're so much friends with him, and they're so chill with him. But that... that's not what you need from a manager. No, exactly, exactly. No, I fully agree. Yeah. Um, yeah, like you need to be able to call your team out when necessary, like. That's what, and not to change up sports, but that's what my whole thing with um, the Nets when they signed Steve Nash. Every time he said a word, it was like you could tell he was trying to walk on eggshells to say the the correct thing to not put any sense of criticism, blame, whatever toward any of the stars on the team, anyone on the team really, but especially you know Durant and Kyrie. And I see that a lot with Aaron Boone as well with the Yankees. And that's a quality that I really don't like in a coach. So the, at the least, you know, Cora says the right things, but I think the thing that, like I said, that annoys me is just, you know, it's very fundamental with these with these things. And I know he's got a close relationship with the players, and I personally don't have any issue with that whatsoever, but I don't know if it's accountability or what have you. I'm not even trying to get into that. It's just a common theme has been the defense has been pretty bad for most of uh, the time that he's been the manager here. And the base running has been pretty lackluster, and I'm pretty sure they had the worst defense in the entire AL. In the entire AL, excuse me, um, at this point. So at least last time I checked. I will say also that, you know, going to your point on defense, the defense has been hideous. I mean, even I'll be objective and I'll say, you know, that you know, Cassis has been a much better offensive player over the past couple of months, but his defense has been horrible. And he was touted as a really good defensive player. Maybe it's just you know, getting used to the majors. I don't know. I mean, Raphael Devers was pretty bad when he started off defensively. He's only getting better recently, so it might take a while. But he was always projected as a you know, plus defensive player, and that needs to get better. I know he was not formally charged with an error against the White Sox the other day, but that play is one he should have probably made at first base. So that really needs to start improving. The offense, thankfully, has started to improve for him, but the defense needs to get better. And, I mean... Even with his bad defensive play, he's still probably one of the best defensive players on the team. I mean, it, it you know it goes back to you know 
who shares the blame for how the season's going. And, you know, the Kike at shortstop thing, I don't even know how much you can blame Cora for that. I know he trots him out there a lot for some reason at, at shortstop, but he can only play with the guys he has. And who else would you put at shortstop at this rate until Story gets back? And I, I got to be honest about Trevor Story here. Um, I feel like we're being a little too kind about Trevor Story. A little too... Uh, gener- I'm trying to find the right word for it. I feel like maybe overrating is a little too harsh. He's a good shortstop. Not too harsh. But we're, we're treating him like he's the savior when he comes back. He's not. He's a good player, and he is. He's, he's going to help you, that's for sure. But he's not a Hall of Fame-level shortstop. He's an all-star-level shortstop when he's at his best. But he does strike out a lot. He doesn't really do much beyond hit home runs. He's a good slugger, but his averages are usually pretty low. He's not a great hitter overall. And we saw last year, like I just said, strikes out a ton. A ton. When he gets hot, he's great. But he's too streaky. I don't love his contact. I'm just not a bit. You know, I, I liked the signing at the time. I'm not getting into the Bogart story contract thing again. But I liked the signing at the time in a vacuum. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, I think we are putting a little too much stock in. Trevor Story comes back and then everything shifts into place and the Red Sox can get going. Because by the time he gets back, Will they even be in a position to contend? Probably not. So that's another year of his contract down where we haven't gotten anywhere, and that's where you are. I mean, I think, I just think we're putting a little too much stock in that. And the other thing, too, is we think that his issue with his arm has been fixed with the surgery, but we don't know. And he couldn't even, he could barely throw from like long distance from second base last year. Like there, there was like concerns about the velocity on his throws, not making it to the bag in time to beat the runners. Like when he needed to put some, some like extra juice on it, there was just like, it was, there was not, there was nothing there. And the guys were, were beating it out or close to it. And you can see a scenario where he's not, he's not going to be able to cover the right half of the field with Devers. And then you have Devers who let's face it. He's worked really, really hard. But he's not even a, he's not a plus defender. He's barely average. He's passable at this point. Hey, like, a, he's hey worked re- Adrian Beltre took time too, okay? No, I'm, he's worked really hard at it. He's gotten a lot better. His feet has gotten his feet, his throws have both gotten a lot better. But to have a guy that doesn't have range to his right and Devers at third base right, right now from where he is, like that's a disaster waiting to happen. So we don't know what that's gonna be. He could come back and be the guy that everyone thought he was which is a really solid defender. And then this this point is moot. But you look at that, and you pair that with the Red Sox right now are the second worst fielding percentage team in the in the majors. Only oh. the Giants are worse. Oh, I was going to say this. And, my, my guess was the other team in the Bay Area. And they have the most throwing errors in baseball. They're the only team with more than 30. It's 32. So Who's second by chance? Uh, second on throws is the Nationals. How many? They have 30. Speaking of the Nationals, I don't want to get off track here. Do you see they set the record by going 90 straight series without a sweep? That's just... Talk about walking on the mediocrity treadmill. That's not even mediocrity. That's just awful. <laughs> That's just terrible. Um, 
but well, that's a lot of that's a lot of six 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 and three 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 win percentages. That that is that is true. Um, or zeros if you're getting swept. It's true. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I I just am really discouraged. And also, my my last point. <clears throat> God bless Marcelo Meyer because that kid's gonna have a lot of pressure on him when he comes up next year. People are gonna expect him to be like the savior of saviors and be like, "Oh, this is the shortstop of the future. He's our guy for the next half dozen years at least. He's gonna be a stud." And hey, I think he will be. I think the kid's the real deal. But people are gonna have to give him time to adjust. And I think they're gonna expect a lot out of him at first. At 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 first, you know, the term at first. But um, I don't know. I. I'm not loving the direction of the Red Sox. I still need to see a lot more to be convinced. And that's where I sit. Um, one thing I'll say, um, as far as story goes, I think it's just a big, huge question mark. Like, I don't think you can write the story on on it at this point. I see what you did uh, there. Yeah, low-key. Um, even though at this at this moment... You'd obviously say it's a failure because he's played, you know, th- a third of one season. Um, and uh, another thing, uh, bringing him back, I wouldn't bring him back un- until he's 100%. Like, I would not have him be a DH just to, to start off. No reason to. Uh, you got this guy locked up for another three years after this. Make sure that he's, you know, feeling 100%. Hopefully this surgery corrects all of the arm issues that everyone's been, you know, concerned about over the past few years and that of course be the best case scenario um that's obviously having wishful thinking i think what could really make this season um not a success but at least salvageable for fans is if by the end of the year we start seeing some of those guys in the minors at least a couple of them get a crack at uh major league baseball just so we can have you know a couple of those games to look forward to throughout the end of the year um bayo day is going to be nice at least we hope so for the rest of the season um hopefully you get something good from whitlock obviously tonight uh with this game against the marlins when we're recording this he was pretty terrible so you hope that that's not the norm you hope how comes back at some point soon we haven't even mentioned him yet and he was doing pretty well and took a line drive to the face so all these freak accidents all of these just series of unfortunate events sums up a lot of the Red Sox season. And this might be a transition into what we talk about next, um, you know, going into next season and whatnot, um, because someone that uh, a lot of Red Sox fans are very hopeful about, even though it's a very, very long shot, uh, Otani tonight became the sixth player since 1900 to have 10 strikeouts in a game and hit two home runs in a game. So he is uh, <laughs> clearly going to be the big fish next year in the offseason. I don't think any of us really expect the Red Sox to sign him, but as um, far as the next season goes, I mean, what do you guys think? I don't even want to get my hopes up. I mean, I don't want to get disappointed. I don't even want to think about it. I mean, would it would it be the greatest thing this franchise has done since signing Manny Ramirez? Probably. But I, it's not, it's not going to happen. He's going to go to the Mets or the Dodgers or the Padres one of those teams, probably probably the Dodgers, will probably stay in L.A., but no. As much as I would love it, don't get me wrong, I'd love it. I forgive everything this franchise has ever done to me, <laughs> but it's just not, I, I, don't, I don't even want to get my hopes up about it. Dave, what about you? 
I just don't see them spending the money. Uh, I could be wrong, but God, I realistically, hope you are. <laughs> realistically, if you're Otani's agent, how do you not ask for like 10 for 600 and then with opt-outs? Yeah. You're getting an ace and a 35-homer-a-year guy. That's like two $30 million players in one. That's what he's going to argue. Yep. So, realistically, the Red Sox wouldn't go past 10 for 30 for 300 for bets. So now we're going we're gonna to do double that for Otani in the same amount of years? Well, hey, they signed I, Devers. Don't forget. I just, I just don't see how that would work. Personally, I, I think I don't think it's the Mets. Personally, I think it's the Dodgers. I think they've been loading up and they've been cutting costs recently, to kind of scale back and be ready for when Otani is a free agent. He's in LA already, and Otani has said he wants to win. These teams are all going to offer a shit ton of money, so it's really probably going to come down to him to what situation I want to play in. And to me, like the Dodgers perennially are. Although they don't win the World Series, they're at least always in the playoffs. Hey, and if he, if he wants to win, he should go to the Rays. It's true, but they can't afford it. <laughs> Just take a big discount to go play for the Rays. That would be hilarious if he signed for $60 million, everyone else combined me at, like, $17. <laughs> Just their payroll's, like, $87 million. He makes 60 of it. Shohei Otani takes a veteran. I think, um, I think they're 28th in payroll right now. You know, you know what they could do? You know what they could do, though? The Marlins could sign him for like ten years, six hundred million, and just backload the shit out of it, and do like thirty million for the first few years, and the last like nine or like ninety million a year, and then just trade him after the first few years. Yeah. Um, along those lines, but kind of different. Uh, one thing I do hate, though, especially in baseball, is uh, when people will talk about like, "Oh, this team's really good, and they have like this super low payroll." I I feel I'm like, why is these teams being cheap something to be celebrated like yeah obviously it works what the rays are doing but it would also be nice i'm sure if they got you know a couple stars here and there to add to the mix especially when you know they're a team that always gets to the finish line but doesn't seem to pass it um you look how good at the rate look at how good the rays are and not even a guy like otani but there's like even a guy a couple steps below that just like an all-star level player you know Look how good they are right now. It'd be something that would even, you know, take them over the edge in that case. Meanwhile, the biggest trades that they make during the season is stuff like for Nelson Cruz, who, don't get me wrong, I love my guy Nelson Cruz, <laughs> but um, wasn't, like, the most impactful move to make during the season. That's a whole other story, though. We're here criticizing the Rays as Red Sox fans, so. <laughs> I will. I'll throw this out there as well, um, kind of transitioning uh, to a little, little roundup of a, around the league here. And I don't want to be presumptuous, but when was the last time that both MVP races were pretty much locked up by before the All-Star break? <laughs> I mean, it's just crazy how, how good Otani and Acuna have been. Unreal. Just so I mean, Otani, it's locked up. Like, the AL MVP, it's over. It's over. It's done. It's done. It's done. It's over. Just forget about it. You could be, I don't care who you are. You could be Luis Arise hitting 400. I'm sorry. You just exist in the same time as Shohei Otani does. I don't know what to tell you. Joe, uh, what's it? Ted Williams at 406. Didn't win MVP. You know? What What the hell, man? You ruling over Dugo already? Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm ruling Big him out. Big second half ahead. It, what? What'd you say? 
big second half ahead for him. Yeah, I I don't know about that. Um, he had Caleb good... Orton I will not allow it. Caleb Orton Yeah, yeah, all those things. Caleb when Verdugo hits two eighty five in the second half and finishes with a two eighty average and nine home runs, you're gonna be sorry. Yeah, that all those things. Um, I mean, it's just unbelievable what Otani can do. And then Acuna, on the other hand, um, he's having an insane season, but it's one of those things where, like, Otani's even overshadowing that in the other league where he has no impact. Um, so much so that Buster only tweeted today that uh, we're almost at the half point, halfway point of the season, and Acuna is on pace for the following stats. 216 hits, 79 walks, 141 runs scored, 102 ribbies, 48 doubles, 35 homers, 72 steals, and a slash line, which he currently has, of 328, 403, 568. That is to say, insanity. So I quote-tweeted that myself and pointed out that if he finishes the season with 200 hits, 100 runs, 100 RBIs, and 50 steals, he'd be the first player to do that in over 100 years. George Sisler, of I believe it was the St. Louis Browns, did it in 1922. He'd be the first National Leaguer to do it since Hannes Wagner in 1908, which is 115 years ago. So, unbelievable. I mean, he's having an unbelievable season. He could finish up with 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases. That's imagine ridiculous. if he imagine if he got 40-40-40 um, on top of that, 40 home runs, 40 doubles, 40 steals, being the second player ever. Yeah, I mean, it, it would just be bonkers. And, I mean, right now he's on pace to crush that. So... I mean, I'm, I love Acuna. I love the guy. I think he's such a tremendous player. He's so good for the game. And I really hope that he stays on this pace, shatters records, and wins MVP. I think he's well on his way to doing it. He should have two 40-40 seasons by now, honestly. I mean, he was at, what is it, 41-39 and 39 a couple of years ago. Um, so this should be going for a second 40-40 season, which obviously would be history. I mean, there's only been uh, four of them so far. So, um yeah, so that's that, That's the uh, MVP race. It's pretty much sewed up. Um, so congratulations to those fellas. Uh, let's do biggest disappointment, biggest surprise before we uh, wrap things up. I mean, biggest disappointment, pretty easy. I feel like it's but pick your poison, Mets or Padres. Pick your poison. Yeah, both. Uh, uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, not much to say about either of them. Both. Uh, see, like, this is, like, what I mean by, like, so many teams like this will just throw so much money at, a, at their issues versus building like an actual roster that fits. And I think these two teams are the quintessential examples of that. Um, and they're both locked into, locked into big money for a long time. So they better hope it works out some point soon or they're going to be looking pretty dumb. Apparently, Steve Cohen, uh, I think he's supposed to be doing a press conference tomorrow. That'll be interesting because... Uh, I'm not a big fan of his. I think it'll be interesting to see some of the questions he gets. And uh, for once, all of these Mets fans who uh, are, are constantly, you know, riding for him, they'll finally maybe see that this guy doesn't necessarily know what he's doing. Although I will say people who are pissed off that they were spending so much money, that's lame because, like I said, I hate when it's celebrated that teams aren't spending money. I just don't like Steve Cohen. So That's fair. Uh, although I did forget one team, don't want to forget the Cardinals. They've been horrible this year. Oh, absolutely, they're so lucky that the Mets and Padres chose yeah. to be terrible this year. Mm-hmm. Or they would so be right there with. Such a, I mean, up until recently. So granted, I mean, the NL Central is not terrible at the moment. When you got the 
Brewers and the the Reds yeah. in consideration. But I, I mean, uh, yeah. that division's not great, and the fact that they've been that bad on top of it, and they've been relatively healthy too. So they wait right a while. Sorry, Flaherty missed a little bit, but uh, I think O'Neill missed a little bit of time. But they've had most of their roster for the most part, and they've had they sent Jordan Walker up and down. So. Yeah, there is a team where you don't really have anything. At least we're not them. That's one thing we can say. I suppose so. Um, really, the only team in the AL that's been a legitimate disappointment would probably be Seattle. I expected them to be a little bit better. They're a game under five hundred right now. Um, three and a half games out of a wild card spot. Right there with the Red Sox, really. But they're, I think, too talented to be in that spot. Um, but I'll... Loki. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Let's say low-key, I think you could throw the Blue Jays in there, too. Yeah, I agree. I only I don't throw them in there yet just because they are technically a playoff team right now. I know that doesn't mean much anymore because there's, like, a 1,000 playoff teams. But I'll agree. They're a little disappointing. I mean, they definitely have the craziest uh, player regression story in baseball this year. Um, but, yeah, I think you could throw them in there. But I, th- I think Mets or Padres, honestly, you can go with either one. It's, it's, I think both of them are pretty solid picks for disappointments. Um, biggest surprise is, parentheses with an S, um, you know, I'd say the Reds probably up there. Four games above 500 in first place in the NL Central halfway through the season. That's pretty darn good for the Reds. Brandon, how about your Cubbies? Cubbies right in the thick of it. Yeah, I, I said at the start of the year, that they could win that division. I you know I was a little wishful on that part, but like I said, I don't think that division's great. Granted, the Reds are starting to, you know, emerge as a real threat, and the, the Brewers were, were decent. I'm not going to knock them. Um, this was a very winnable division, and, you know, I don't think they will win it, but at least they're in the mix, and they have a Cy Young candidate throwing for them. So uh, they've got some, some positives there. I will say, though, um, overall – the teams that I would say is the biggest surprise, one for sure, is definitely the Diamondbacks. Yeah, that's correct. Um, I didn't even know what their record was until I just looked at it. I knew it was good, and it was that good. Yeah, like the Diamondbacks they are, they're the best team in the NL outside of the Braves, I would say, at the moment. I mean, record-wise, too. Speaking but, of just, speaking of award races that are sewed up already. Oh, yeah. That, that's that's been done. Um, and then also, I would throw the, the Giants in there. Um, especially since they started off pretty badly and they've been really coming on lately. So, yeah. um, You're right. I, you know, I would say the, the two top teams in the NL West. I would say the Marlins being 12 games above 500 also. Pretty That's solid. Especially since I'm, – I'm sorry I'm sorry to bring it up again, Brandon, but especially since Sandy Alcantara has been struggling this year. Hey, he got me 18 fantasy points tonight, so I'm That's not complaining true. right now. Well, he was playing against the Red Sox, so I guess yeah. you take him where you can get him. Um Cincinnati, I mean, yeah, the Cubs, like we said. Pittsburgh was surprising, and then they absolutely plummeted back down to earth. Um, I'd say the Rangers and the AL, and the Angels. Angels are a playoff team right now. So I'll give them both a little surprise factor. I mean, we expected the Rays to be good, the Orioles to be good. The Central, there are no surprises or disappointments because it's the AL Central, and that's what they are. The Red Sox would be first place in the NL Central, in the AL Central, excuse me. And I, I, I don't know I don't know if you were on the call when I said this, Brandon, and this is not – I'm not saying this to you, but, like, I see people say that on Twitter, and I'm like, okay, but we, we can't do that. Like, they're in the division they're in. They're in last place. They wouldn't be a playoff team if they were in the AL Central other than if they were in first place because they're in the AL Central. Like, yeah, it sucks. I think, 
I think it just proves how shitty the AL Central oh, it, is. Oh, it definitely That's is an indictment of the division itself because they're they're bad. They're very bad. I mean, we saw the Twins up front. They were they were not good. I mean, but then again, the White Sox beat us in the series. <laughs> you know, we we might not be able to talk. <laughs> That's the point I think would really, I really like to drive home. The also, AL Central is like I yeah. I was just knocking the NL Central, out of respect to the NL Central being mid. I gotta go in on the AL Central just being complete garbage. Like, what a what a what an awful division. I will not I will mention, say this though. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like the Red Sox have struggled quite a bit with the AL Central. Like, definitely, they haven't done great against yeah. the Tigers or the White Sox. Uh, I'd argue they haven't done great against anyone. <laughs> That's also true. Um, but I, as far as like, even with the Twins leading that division right now, think about how many of their wins have come against other AL Central teams. Oh, like, what is the record against teams outside of the AL Central? Those, like that, those are some. I mean, I know you have to have a team from every division, but. Whoever gets to play them in the playoffs probably going to be the Rays. You got a gift coming, especially if it's the Twins who haven't won a playoff game in how long? In like the nineties. Uh, I think they won one in like oh three, oh four. It's been at least twenty years. I can tell you that right now. I'm gonna try and look this up. I'm also trying to look up uh, their the team splits, but I can't find them. Christian Vasquez, that one home run came against the Red Sox. It was an absolute tank job too. Um, so yeah, that's our that's our initial read of the uh, of the Major League season so far. Any closing thoughts, fellas? Uh, just that it's although it's been probably a long time coming for people that are in this area. It's been not a great last year or so for us. No, and again, no it's better than it's better than most people because I mean the Bruins were still amazing in the regular season and the Celtics made it to the Eastern Finals. So, but uh, long, the Red Sox and, and Patriots both yeah. don't really look like they're anywhere near. It's gonna be a long time before those teams are tipping off and dropping the puck. So, yeah. And uh, side note: the Twins haven't won a playoff game since 2004. There we go. And they haven't won a playoff series since 2002. I'll tell you what. Those that's not, my those are my parting thoughts. <laughs> those are not good things to be associated with your franchise. I'll tell you that right now. Um, but you can follow us at CSL Podcast. We'll be back uh, next week with uh, we'll, we'll see what we got going. on. We'll see what the topic is. You know, it's always developing, always fluid. So uh, keep it locked, and we'll talk to you then.